podcast that takes you with us without kidnapping you. Travel Instigator. We bring our travel stories and some funny behind the scenes happenings to life in this fresh new take on telling travel tales. Travel Instigator. Are you ready to take off? Let's go. As seen in Swanky Retreats and Caribbean Living Magazines. Hi, guys, and welcome back to The Travel Instigator. This is... Hello, it's David again. He's back, guys. He is back. And PETA and our special guest, as we promised, for our second gastronomic gallivant that is in the summer issue of Swanky Retreats is Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) You are welcome. Hello, Sophie. (laughs) Hi there. Where are you going to take us this time? What do you think, David? Where should I think you should take us to Rothy Manor in Ambleside. I think that's a jolly good idea. So I'm going to take you to the north of England, to the Lake District National Park. And not only is this one of England's oldest and most famous national parks, but it's also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And it's famed for its natural landscapes, its mountains, its rivers, its waterfalls. But increasingly in the last few years, it's not only been an adventure tourism destination, but it's also been a gastronomic destination. We love that. We love that. We love the way you describe food. We love the places you go. This place specifically looks amazing though. It's an absolutely beautiful hotel in the town of Ambleside, which is at the north end of Windermere. Windermere is probably the most famous lake in the Lake District. And Rothay Manor, it's only a small property, but it's absolutely beautiful and it's really renowned for its food. They've got a fine dining restaurant, which is where I was fortunate enough to eat when I stayed there. And I had the most wonderful evening, not only eating the food, but also talking to uh, the, the staff about the food. And I found that they were really as passionate as I was about the ingredients where they source them and everything that I ate seemed to have a story. Seems like they have uh, some locally sourced uh, uh, food there at the restaurant. Everything as far as I could see was locally sourced and the thing which really got me excited probably more than anything else was the cheese. I have never seen a cheese board like it. I would say cheese board actually it was an entire cheese trolley because there were about 30 different cheeses on on the trolley during uh, dinner and I, I couldn't sadly eat all of them Uh, but I was able to try about four or six on on the evening and to to talk to the cheese sommelier and yes they had such a thing um, about exactly what I should choose and in fact I got so excited about it that I asked them where they sourced their cheeses from and they told me um, about the courtyard dairy where they get their cheeses from and the next day I actually went on a day trip just to see this dairy because They had painted a picture in my mind of um, just the most extraordinary place where everything was about cheese. And it was true. I mean, (laughs) I've never been to to anywhere quite like it with so many cheeses uh, and such an obsession with cheese. 
You're so lucky. We need to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. This, yeah. They painted a picture for you. Now you're painting a picture for us. And mm. Gotta go. Gotta <laughs> go. But with, with something like cheese, I mean, they, they were predominantly English cheeses and a lot of them came from Cumbria, which is the part of the UK where the Lake District uh, is situated. And I really like the fact that they've made an effort to find local cheeses because cheese is something which is very much made of the landscape, the cows and the sheep and occasionally goats, but it was mostly cow and sheep's cheeses. Um, you do actually see them when you're out about in the Lake District, particularly the sheep high on the, the fells, the mountains. And so you know that those sheep have been roaming wild. They've been eating all of the local plants. Uh, they then come down, they're milked, they make the cheeses locally, they're matured locally. And everything from the, the minerals in the soil to the types of plants growing on the hillsides to the water in the streams, those are the ingredients which have created your cheeses. It's amazing. So you're really getting an, an experience of the area, the local area. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about the head chef, uh, Dan McGeorge? So he's a, he's a fantastic figure and he's somebody who's really passionate about his food. Um, the menu is very, very imaginative. And I think that's very much a, a reflection of his, his personality and his passion. Um, there are, of course, sort of some very good restaurants in the Lake District who play it safe. I don't think that's the case with Dan. He understands his ingredients very intimately and he knows exactly what he can do with them and how he can push the ingredients and the recipes to their limit to give diners something that's really exciting. Amazing. And, and the manor itself, you know me, I love to get into the accommodations. I the building. The, the imagery is gorgeous. I love the tub. Was that your soaking tub in that room? Yes. So I had an absolutely beautiful room. And I really liked the fact that they'd gone with some really bold, um, brightly colored prints on the walls. Sometimes in sort of the more traditional hotels in England, things can be a little bit twee, a little bit pastel. Um, but yeah. this was really bold and exciting. And it still had a traditional feel. It's still very much an authentic building with the uh, original windows and fireplaces and so on and so forth. But they've mixed in with that the bold wallpapers, some really bold prints and the textiles and brought it bang up to date. Sounds like the place had a really nice bar lounge as well. That's my kind of place. They had a really, really good bar lounge and the cocktails were fabulous. Uh, I had a, um, a barman called Mario um, and he was actually really good because we were umming and ahhing on what to have in the cocktails and I did actually go to pick something else off the menu and he looked at me and you could see he was eyeing me up he's like I don't think that's the right thing for you <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was a little bit I mean it could have some people would have said oh that's a little bit forward but he was spot on and actually the thing that he recommended instead was exactly the right choice for me and I'm really glad that he did interfere and, and put me off my first choice such intuition in a barman very nice yeah and that's exactly what you want from your barman somebody who knows you better than you know yourself absolutely i think i've been to a few um lounges and bars where they're like we don't have a cocktail menu just tell us what what your flavor profile is what but this guy he's mario seemed like a mind reader he just looked at your aura and knew what you wanted <laughs> I think so. And I, I think you should still have a bar menu. I think going entirely off somebody's 
yeah. aura or uh, their preference is a bit difficult because a lot of us are a little bit intimidated in that situation in that you sit there thinking, oh, well, what do I want? Um, well, I like this or I like that. And it's hard to start. But at least if you've got a, a starting point for discussion, yes. um, the menu can think, well, I, I quite like the idea of this, but can you make it a little bit sweeter? Can you make it a bit sourer? How about if I have this and that? And then it's a prompt for a, a wider discussion. And that willingness by, by Mario in this case, that willingness by the barman is amazing. You need that, that, I think, is the sign of somebody who really understands their craft. Yeah, very confident in his craft. Yeah. Absolutely. Sophie, I want to thank you again for all your beautiful writing, for all of the experience and exposure. And in this episode, I want you to tell everybody a little bit more about you about your passion about your history and and what drives you to travel oh that's a big question (laughs) so i i'm british as you can probably tell from my accent but i have spent the past uh rather a long time 20 25 years mostly traveling Um, most of my travel is in europe and in asia I spent a long time traveling and studying in India because I, I studied Hindi and Urdu at university and I thought I was going to spend my life living in India. But since 2008, I've also spent a lot of time in Central Asia and in the former Soviet republics. So that's a, a slightly sort of less visited, um, less understood part of the world, but I find it absolutely fascinating. And it's also a region which is growing very fast in terms of its tourism. So I spend a lot of time now in Uzbekistan in particular, and to some extent in Tajikistan as well, working with the countries there to actually work out what the future of tourism looks like for them and helping them develop the, the, the right kind of tourism for their countries. Absolutely. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think this is really key information and knowledge. Uh, as to why we've had a lot of Uzbek edit mm-hmm. from you in Swanky Retreats. And I love that we are an integral part in helping bring tourism and, and at the forefront, at the frontier of, mm-hmm. of their borders opening to not necessarily mass tourism, but more tourism. And highlight less yeah. locations and, and destinations. And particularly for a magazine like Swanky, where all of your readers are already well-traveled. You haven't got readers who, who are travel novices. These are people who already have a passion for travel. Absolutely. And what I think can be exciting for them is the emerging destinations. And yes, sometimes that's completely new countries, like, for example, Uzbekistan or Georgia, which I've, I've written about for, for Swanky in the past. But it can also be lesser known destinations within popular destinations. So just because you're going to France or to Italy or to Spain, doesn't mean that you have to always go to the same destinations as everybody else within those countries. There are lots of uh, smaller towns or regions that um, have got huge, huge amounts to offer. So, for example, this this autumn, I'm going to Bologna in Italy. And I know lots of people who've been to Italy before have already been to Rome, they've been to Venice, they've probably been to Naples. But Bologna, I hope, is something that will be a new place, even for people who know and love Italy. And it's got a very strong food scene. It's got a lot of culture. It's got a lot of history. And that's what I want to bring out in my story. Absolutely. And that is our tagline at Swanky Retreats. Travel outside the obvious. Because, again, sorry, love love these destinations, Paris and Rome. But that's very obvious. When you say Italy, I say Rome. When you say 
France, I say Paris, right? So exactly. Beyond the obvious and getting in there, and that's a top quality that you underscore in your writing and what you bring to us at Swanky. And we love having you on the Travel Instigator. We certainly it's do. It's a perfect partnership. I love it. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on our latest adventure. PETA is PETA Phipps, publisher, producer, all-around entrepreneur, and the travel instigator. David is David Blair, an engineer, travel cohort, blossoming photographer, and thinks he is a badass motorcycle rider. And he is very Scottish.